better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Science Cast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and pick about the science. And this is my breakout role. Um, <laughs> hi everybody, my name is Sean Crossan, and uh, Kenan has frozen. He looks like he's posing for his portrait for his breakout role. For his breakout role. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's the third person speaking? Oh, sorry. Uh, my name is Michael Pace, and I've been famous for a long time. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're three famous podcast hosts, and this is our podcast where we watch movies, and we talk about the science in those movies, and we discuss whether it's good or not, and we watched the movie Breakout this time, starring... Breakout. Um, that's a, that's the, the movie about, hey, Kevin, um, about the cheerleaders. What have I, what have I told you about lying to the listeners? Sorry. We watched Point Break Kenan, uh, this week. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> No, no, no. We watched Breaking Bad, the all five Pace, not you too. Come on. Come on, we guys. We listened to Breaking Benjamin. Oh, my God. We, <laughs> no one listens to Breaking Benjamin. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be the last recording that people hear before they find my corpse because I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to tell the fine folks what movie we watched? I would love to. Okay. Okay. Hey, hi, audience. It's me, Sean. Nestle up close to your podcast. And uh, hi, Sean. Hi, hi. You guys, hey, you guys, just sit this one out. Um, okay. So this well. week we watched the 1995, I would say, action movie. Uh, okay. Outbreak. <laughs> there's there's a lot of action, right? Let's see. There's some. Ha- there's it's some starring that uh, Dustin Hoffman. It's also speed. got Kevin Spacey in it. We're just gonna pretend that we don't know all the horrible things he's done. And uh, yep. Mm-hmm. What's the lead woman? I forget her name. Jesus, Rene Russo. Rene Russo. I feel like I'm kind of <laughs> really bad at remembering actresses for some reason. It's almost like you're sexist. Morgan Freeman is also in this movie. I know, movie. I feel sexist. Donald Sutherland is also in this movie, so is Cuba Gooding Jr. and Patrick oh, Dempsey. Oh, yeah, Morgan Freeman's in this movie. Yeah. Patrick Dempsey is in this. I totally forgot that Mick, Mick <laughs> Dreamy? Right, Mick Dreamy is looking McDreamy the opposite of Mick Dreamy in this uh, movie. Sorry, who is Mick Dreamy? He's, he's, he's the from, guy from um, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, there's McDreamy and there's McSteamy, and McSteamy is more of like a bad boy, whereas McDreamy is like a hunk of dunk. Right, and he's and McSteamy's not in this movie, so we're gonna probably not talk about him in this. But yeah, Derek Shepard. Although is that in this show movie. is in a hospital, so that is medically related. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And medicine is adjacent to science, so we're close. I'm proud of all of you for not making a joke about the name McSteamy. Um, that's right. We did watch Outbreak <laughs> this week, uh, and we're gonna talk about the Ebola virus, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. You just can't see it. Uh, that occurs in this film and how it relates to real world Ebola virus. And then if you'll stick around after the ratings for fucking once, uh, you'll get to hear us talk about coronavirus and what we know so far, yep. what we know about it, and a couple of factoids. Yeah. One factoid. Hey, you know, before we get into the movie, yes? I think we need Pace to give our disclaimer. Wait, don't we roll? Oh, yeah. No, Pace does the disclaimer and then I we roll into a movie. Does Pace roll for the disclaimers? 
What are you saying right now? Have you lost your mind? I'm just trying to introduce the psychotic energy with which Paith gives his disclaimers. Each you week. guys are fucking killing me. <laughs> well, listeners, Kenan, listeners, if you like I can. Oh, Kenan! Wait, hold on, idea. listeners. I, I have a message for you. I don't know how no, long this episode runtime is going to be, but we talked at length about keeping episodes short mm-hmm. and like that this episode mm-hmm. might go a little bit longer and we've spent the first uh 10 minutes with just so much chaotic canon in here that i don't even know what i think i told do. you taste, what if I, I told you specifically i didn't want to go on at length about science but rambling on and being funny was fine <laughs> what if i that's a bad, what if I roll that's a a die. bad thing to do mm-hmm. what, what if i roll a die to see how incoherent the disclaimers are okay on what scale uh zero one being um least coherent okay and 20 being most incoherent okay so one most coherent 20 least coherent okay. yes I'm that's a better way of saying what i said and i'm gonna jam it in, into my temple <laughs> i rolled a 15 i rolled that. a 15 so buckle the fuck up butter hell yeah here we uh, butter chuck starting off right already okay. okay here we go this is this this is are you guys ready yes this is an audio medium and so this is a podcast, <clears throat> and more so than a podcast, it's an audio program where we three, we three men of men of science, uh, rational pragmatists that we are, are gonna are gonna take are gonna are gonna take the great science that you watched in Outbreak because it was on Netflix, and we are going to take that science and we're gonna put it in a blender, and then we're gonna turn that blender on, and then we're gonna take out that blender and we're gonna we're gonna take the liquid. And we're going to shove it down your fucking throats. And it's going to be nutritious as well because most things that come out of a blender are nutritious like smoothies. And so whenever you drink our smoothie, you're going to come out and you're probably going to poop three times the following morning if you get lucky. If you get lucky. Um, and you're going to feel so great. Oh, my God. About, <laughs> about I am in health. hell right now. What are you doing? And so, and so. Hey, Pace. Can you disclose yeah. anything that's pertinent about the show we're going to record? Things that I can disclose. There's going to be some science and some curse words, and there's going to be the chance that you uh, should not expose underage people to our show. That could be bad for them, unless unless they're okay with it, and they can probably listen. And that's it. Right? That's the gist. That sounds good to me. Enjoy our smoothie. I would say that was perfect. I don't remember what part of the scale you said this was supposed to land on, but I think it was 50-50, so not bad. Uh, that was a 15. I don't even want to know what a fucking 20 is. It's Paige just like fucking Jim Carrey butt-talking into the microphone. Like, Well, he started off very eloquent and extremely descriptive, so like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Okay, cool. Let's let's do the plot of this fucking movie. Let's do it. I'm ready. Who did the last one? I Quickly. think Pace did. I did. Oh, whoa. Yeah, because I believe Pace rolled a 15 and thought that was good for some reason. <laughs> so. uh, I do remember this. That's correct. <laughs> that is true yeah. and correct. All right, Ken, are you ready? Oh, you know it. And guess what I have this week? I have a real die that I'm going to be hey, using me too. beside me. Hey. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Are we ready to roll? Yeah. All right. Oh. Uh. That's a seven. Shit. I got a 17. <laughs> hey, buckle up. Ugh, God. I mean, do you want me to do it? No. No. I just want to point out you always seem to roll low. Um, all right. So. Oh, my God. Let's just. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's fucking. Strap in, man. Do the plot of the movie. Let's do it. Let's fucking. I'm grip so it, grip excited. It, baby. 
to do the plot that I'm about to do right now. It's going to be fucking great. All right, so check this out. Movie opens 1967 during a war, specifically in the African jungle. Are you reading a fucking plot summary right now? Of course I am. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Didn't you watch this yesterday? Yes. (laughs) A lot's gone on since yesterday. Okay, fine. Continue. Anyway. It's important that the listener know what year this happened in. All right, so 1967, an outbreak in Motoba, uh, caused by a virus, is discovered in a jungle. And let's just uh, gloss over about how all this happens, because Donald McClintock, played by uh, Donald Sutherland, yes, also called Donald. That seems lazy. Uh, And Billy Ford, played by Morgan Freeman, agree that we'll just blow this up. It's fine. We'll just kill all the soldiers blow up the bad and all virus. the African locals in order to get rid of it. Um, so they have this secret agreement. I don't think... Uh, so there's a, a subplot throughout the entire film that Dustin Hoffman accuses them of, of wanting to keep it as a weapon. That's never, ever introduced as a subplot in the film. It's not mentioned at the beginning, and it's not mentioned That's at true. any other point in the film. What the fuck? He just accuses them of it. So just keep that in mind. Anyway, so they get rid of this virus, or so they think, and then we fast forward into the future, 28 years later, uh, where Colonel Sam Daniels, played by the the graduate himself, uh, goes back to Zaire in order to investigate an outbreak there. Um, during that process, uh, they find out, basically, like, there's this virus there that's causing hemorrhagic fever, which Sean is going to talk about later, uh, that kills a bunch of people. They say, okay, well, we need to investigate this. Morgan Freeman, um, who we find out is Dustin Hoffman's boss, prevents him from con- continuing to investigate it. And during that time where he flies back and is doing a bunch of other shit, like complaining about his divorce and being in love with his dogs, um, a white capuchin monkey... From Zaire, um, <laughs> is transported. Uh, we'll have some stuff to say about that. Is transported back uh, or into the United States uh, into a facility where nobody wears any personal protective equipment, um, and is smuggled out by a guy whose favorite band is the Dead Kennedys. Um, he takes him to a nearby Patrick town. Dempsey. Tri- Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Tapes it, takes him to a nearby town, tries to sell him to a pet store owner by bribing a security guard with $40. Listen, he works in America. He might not make that much. <laughs> God. I, okay. That's, yeah, that's fair. True. That's entirely fair. Anyway, the the pet store owner says he won't take the smuggled monkey because it's the wrong sex. He wanted a male instead of a female or something. Um they want to breed. So Patrick Dempsey, uh, sorry, I'm going to call him Radtrick Dempsey because he's super cool in this movie. Um, so, oh, wait, Patrick Dopsy uh, takes the capuchin monkey Patrick out Danksy. into the middle. Of- Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> so Patrick Dempsey takes Betsy the capuchin monkey out into the middle of the woods and releases her into the wild uh, where she eats something in order to survive for the entirety of this film. Bugs? Bugs? Question mark. I don't know what capuchin monkeys eat. Acorns? Fruit? Nuts? Small rodents? Definitely acorns. Worms. Trash? <laughs> <laughs> so we find out while this is happening that Jesus Christ, this fucking film. Um, <laughs> there's so many little things happening in this goddamn movie that I'm remembering now, and I hate it. So while all this is happen- yeah. happening, Dustin Hoffman and his ex-wife, played by Renee Russo, her name is Dr. Roberta Keel, 
is a CDC scientist while Dustin Hoffman still works for the military. They basically basically have the exact same job, both civilian and non-civilian, respectively. They are deciding that they are – well, actually, they're already through their divorce. Robbie, is that what he calls her? Yes. Okay, sweet. Robbie, played by Rene Russo again, is sent off in order to investigate a disease that's broken out um, somewhere in Cedar Creek, which is – where the fuck is that? California. California. There we go. California. Yep, California. Northern California. These California. folks in Cedar Creek know Cedar how to party. Creek. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> um, she goes off in order to investigate this. Uh, Dustin Hoffman asks if he can do so, but throughout the, like, uh, looking at this virus that he, Dustin Hoffman and his team have done from the Zaire infection, they've discovered basically that this is like a, an Ebola virus, effectively. Um, they describe it. They've isolated it. They, I think, sequenced it at this point. Morgan Freeman figures out that it's the exact same virus that he and Donald Sullivan tried to get rid of years and years and years ago. He tells that tells Dustin Hoffman he's not allowed to investigate it anymore, and we have to black box it, let the CDC handle it. It kills people within, like, 24 hours, so it's not something that they have to worry about, quote, unquote. And Dustin Hoffman's like, no, I'm going to disobey a direct order from my superior in the American military, and I'm going to fly to Cedar Creek and try and help my ex-wife because I've got an axe to grind. Um, (laughs) Fast forward to, like, through the entire goddamn film, Dustin Hoffman shows up with his team, including the bad, bad Kevin Spacey and a couple of other people. Uh, They figure out what this virus is. It, quote, unquote, goes airborne. Uh, he tells Morgan Freeman that he's got a, uh, huge problem on his hands. They kind of make up and kind of don't, uh, Donald Sutherland decides that he's going to bomb the entire town while Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr. race to find the original host, which is Becky the monkey who hangs out in the woods and eats garbage. Uh, they eventually track down Becky the monkey. They bring him, bring the monkey back. And then I guess like put it through a newspaper roller in order to get as much serum out of it as humanly possible. We will talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, that was wild. Dustin Hoffman finds out basically that there's two strains of the virus, one that is passed through water droplets, um, so via coughing, spit, wiping people's eyes, making out a la Patrick Dempsey's girlfriend who decided that he looked like he needed to be made out with when he got off the plane looking like he was about (laughs) to die. He was about to fucking die, and then he did. Like and then very he did. shortly after. <laughs> and then there's another strain of the virus, which is quote unquote mutated, which is the one that's airborne. Dustin Hoffman treat or finds out that Morgan Freeman is treating people with uh, this like mystical anti serum that the government has. It turns out it kills the first strain. Dustin Hoffman figures out they've known about it for years. They have to find this monkey, which has both strains, which means it has antibodies for both strains in order to cure both of them. Uh, they do that and. I do want to say there is no evidence ever presented in the movie as to why finding the host monkey would ever allow you to have a treatment. Like, well, Sean agreed. They obviously pulled all the blood out of the single monkey and like Jesus and the loaves of bread and fish multiplied it tenfold over in order to treat every <laughs> denizen of Cedar Creek. But there's still never even an explanation as to why monkey blood from the host monkey would be a treatment in general. You know, like all that all that Dustin Hoffman says is that it has the antibodies. He sure. literally is like, oh, this is anti serum, which is just a lot to unpack. Which which it's hey, a big you know buzzword. Which we're here to unpack. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. But Kevin, we I sure already are. finished the movie wow. about how Dustin Hoffman saves We the just day. arrived. We're going to unpack. Yeah, so Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. and his buddy Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, have to fly into the path mm-hmm. of a bombing plane sent by Donald Sutherland that the military, while being somber about this, knowingly names Operation Sandman. <laughs> And because they have to follow a very specific line of flight, Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr. are like, you're not getting past us. And they they fucking black block the plane and the plane has to veer off course. And the pilots having, I guess, like a moment of morality, dump the payload into the ocean. Morgan Freeman relieves Donald Sutherland of his post, and then he and Dustin Hoffman kiss. I think at the end of the movie, it's implied that Dustin Hoffman and Renee Russo get together again, even though they have one of the most toxic relationships I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) Very much so, yes. Hey, Mm -hmm. but almost dying changes everything. Sure, and that's it. Roll Roll that beautiful bean footage. Wow, I hated doing that. Yeah, I could tell. You really didn't you did like that. You so good, though. That's. I think it's because after going through the plot of the film, I got mad. Yeah, I could tell, man. You were upset. <laughs> where where did sense. they lose you? Was it when they had a um, white capuchin monkey, which is native to South America in Africa? Fucking hell. God. Is that where they lost you? Because that was the first scene of the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> they start off on a very strong <gasps> foot. Yeah, it's weird. With a big soul. So that's the that's the part right. of the film. What, what should we tackle first? There's a lot of science in this there film. There actually though, was guys. a lot of science in this film, for sure. All yeah. right. Let's We have content. Yeah, to let's discuss. get into it. We got a lot of fucking science. I think one of the first things we should discuss is the virus, the Metabo virus, and some of its similarities to actual viruses in real world. I think that's a great that idea. Seems smart, Sean. All right. And okay, I'll just I'll just dive into it. So for you those should. of you that um, aren't scientists and didn't recognize that cool picture of the virus that they keep showing, the Metaba virus in the movie uh, behaves very, very similarly to Ebola virus in you know in the real world. And in fact, in the movie, every time they look at a picture of Metaba virus, it's literally if you Google Ebola virus, it's like one of the first Google image search pictures that comes up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I guess like. I'll just get into some facts about Ebola virus. How about that, Kenan? Do you like that? Yeah, that's what I, I want to hear that. Do. Give me some yeah. facts. So, okay, so Ebola virus, I'm going to say the the viral family it's in because Kenan's like really fucking ready for that stuff. It's in the uh, <laughs> Phyloviridae family. Nice. Um, yeah, which Kenan loves Ugh. that stuff. Um, well so executed. It's, a, it's an RNA virus. Uh, it spreads through body fluids of the infected individual. So this mm-hmm. means it's um, the most common fluids are like blood, vomit, fecal matter, but it can also be spread in like seminal fluid saliva. and saliva. There's not evidence that it spreads through sweat, but that's how it spreads. So you have to be in physical contact with the fluids or the person's body from someone who's sick. Got to make out. Yeah, you got to full on Dempsey them, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just get right in there with your Dempsey tone. <laughs> So the virus itself infects actually uh, a lot of different, like lots of different types of cells in the body, acu- including immune cells, um, which actually helps suppress the immune response to the viral infection. And the everyone who knows anything about Ebola from the general public generally knows that it's hemorrhagic. And mm-hmm. what that means is that it causes a lot of internal bleeding or external bleeding. And the right. reason the virus is hemorrhagic is because the virus infects endothelial cells, which these are the cells that make up the blood vessels inside your body. So once the virus infects them, 
um, the cells will undergo programmed cell death, which is called apoptosis, uh, and mm-hmm. the vasculature will fall apart, causing internal bleeding. And the first outbreak that humans discovered this virus was in Sudan in 1976. So that's some facts about Ebola virus, Kenan. You're right. It does behave pretty similarly, doesn't it? At least uh, from like a like a pathological. Yeah, from like a from a, the symptoms are, are very very similar to Ebola <clears throat> in this movie. Right. And even the pictures right. when they're looking at the microscope of the virus, they're using a picture it looks of Ebola. So dramatically like, yeah, similar. Yeah, it looks almost yes. identical. Well, uh, and not only that, but what's really cool about this film too is that they actually feature two different strains of the virus that's in here. And one of them is, like Sean said, a virus that looks a lot like the Ebola virus, pretty much the first Google image that you look at. Uh, And the other one looks like they took that exact same image and then skewed it a little bit and then used the smudge tool uh, in Photoshop to just kind of give it an edge to make it look spiky. An actual literal edge. It's got pricklies. There's literally a scene where it looks like someone drew on it with a fucking like pencil and they say like, oh my God, do you see the spikes on the outside of the virus? It's yeah, makes it more stable in the air. Yeah, they literally said the the viral protein coat, which we'll get to why that's a problem here in a second. The viral protein coat has adapted to make it more stable in the air and outside the body. Yeah, Um, it just doesn't make it literally makes no sense. Something worth mentioning that if a virus has a protein coat, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before, uh, it means that the proteins that are expressed as part of the as part of the viral replication or cycle are the only thing covering the DNA. It's just protein, all protein. It's all protein. Hey, Kenan, does this virus just have all protein covering it? No, no. It's kind of what I was getting towards. Oh. A little bit like our uh, our friend, which we'll talk about later, SARS-CoV-2. This bad boy actually has a viral membrane um, oh. instead of just all protein. That's interesting. So that's just like a big, big minutia misstatement that they have in the movie. It's just wrong. And and you know people love to say wrong things on the internet about viruses but the virus gets this basically because it's part of its life cycle it effectively like buds off of the cell that it's leaving and it actually takes a little bit of that cell membrane with it um in order to produce the infectious virus yeah Mm -hmm. that's pretty wild pretty wild. yeah it's it's kind of like if when babies were born they brought some of the mother's skin with them to cover their skeleton it's very weird it's a weird (laughs) weird metaphor you're bringing here kenan and really disturbing but then so this the virus in the movie Mm -hmm. uh goes airborne almost um i mean almost instantaneously pretty much you you could say and so obviously that was that was fed by some sort of spontaneous mutation in the virus but and it's okay if you guys know the answer to this. I don't know it myself, but what what are the features of an infectious virus that, whether it be structural or or whatever characteristics lead to this, that would actually that would typically lead to it to become airborne or make that sort of transition from being transmitted via fluid contact mm-hmm. to just breathing it in in the air? Well, I think, and I'm going to let Sean answer this because I know he loves to, but. It's a good opportunity basically to talk about the fact that like in order for a virus like this to become quote unquote adaptable for airborne, you could be talking about two different things. I think it's worthwhile Mm. giving the background of like the ability of viruses to actually mutate into new strains 
Um, it's relevant here with Ebola virus, and it's also relevant with coronaviruses, for instance, because they're both RNA viruses. Um, but it's a little bit more of a complex question to say, like, this virus can become airborne. But Sean, why don't you why right. don't you tell us? Give us that info. No, that's a really that's a really good good lead in, Kenan, because it it's not like there's just it's not like every virus is evolving to be ideal at infecting humans, right? Right? Like viruses evolve just like every other organism evolves where they have traits that are selected for and traits that are selected against. And the ones that are selected for are the ones that allow them to have productive infections and replications. The ones that are selected against are ones that make them unable to do this. So the issue with like people thinking about Ebola viruses becoming airborne, it's something that is like theoretically a possible thing, but it's also very unlikely because Ebola viruses, they likely have a host reservoir species in nature, meaning that there's a species that they can um, infect that don't die from the infection, where it just gets passed around over and over, like it's really, really po- like populous in some sort of wild animal species. And because of that, you know, if the virus changes its mode of infection, it might not actually be advantageous if it's trying to replicate in non-humans, right? Mm -hmm. Like, lots Mm -hmm. of terrestrial animals have respiratory systems, but that doesn't mean it's the best mode of transmission. Um, And it depends, like, where the virus is trying to get, like, passing through your gastrointestinal system into the body via, or passing through your lungs into the body. They're two different routes of entry. So, there's, there's a lot of factors controlling this, um, but if we want to go into, like, the specifics of, like, what a virus needs to be able to do on, like, a basic level, it needs to be able to last in, like, saliva and, like, water, you know, water with, quote, mm-hmm. droplets mm-hmm. that someone coughs or sneezes out of their face and lungs. <laughs> so yeah. like out of their face. Yeah. And it's not that Ebola necessarily can't. So apparently Ebola can be transmitted by saliva um, in some cases where people are really, really sick and they have a lot of internal bleeding. Then it like bleeds over into their saliva. But that's not like a common route of administration. Um, And it doesn't it's not as stable. It doesn't like last on surfaces for a really, really long time. Right. Um, But yeah, in order to be able to transmit like by air, you really need like to be stable for a long time in like droplets of spit that someone has just sneezed out of their face. Yeah. And it's also worth mentioning too, that like as part of what you were saying earlier about like transmission into humans and adaptability for like killing people that it's thought pretty strongly that the reservoir host for Ebola viruses, and you may have mentioned this already as bats. Um, and mm-hmm. that's actually locally transferred and transmitted within the bat population. So the virus actually does pretty well, like uh, replicating in bats and continuing to do so like within that population, no problem. Um, But when it moves to another organism, right? And usually these are non-human primates. um, That's what's known as an epizootic cycle. Um, and I'm probably saying that wrong, but you know what I'm trying to say, uh, where it moves into <laughs> the non-reservoir yeah. host and can cause a lot of fatalities. And a lot of viruses like coronaviruses, for instance, or even in other cases with other reservoir hosts, influenza, this occurs because of mutations. But 
Ebola viruses don't actually mutate that much. Yeah, so this is another thing I wanted to bring up talking about like changing the route of administration. So this is again from the CDC's website actually talking about Ebola because there's there's a lot of like talk about people worrying about something like in the movie Outbreak where you have a Ebola-like virus that is now airborne, like transmitted by aerosolized, um, you know, spit. And so the Ebola genome was first looked at in 1976. And then there was an outbreak in 2014 around then. And they noticed that the, if they sequence the Ebola genome, it's changed by roughly 3% um, over the past, I guess that was what, like 50 years or 40 years. So it changed by about 50, 3%, which was completely normal. Like mutations are going to occur over time. There are mutations happening in your cells all the time. And basically what they say is that the virus has a relatively stable constant mutation rate and that uh, the ability to change the route of infection is extremely rare with viruses in general and even those that mutate frequently because Mm. the like route of administration is so intertwined with the evolution of the virus and like what it's going to be primarily infecting. So it's, it's not that it's impossible for something to happen, but it's like extremely, extremely unlikely that Ebola viruses would be spread by an aerosolized method. Right. Pace, did you have something you wanted to say? Pace? Well, I, and I just, I just, I, to me, it feels like the, the rate at which it happens in the movie seems unrealistically accelerated. Oh, relative oh to the, yes. Make no mistake. The, okay. It's the, it's unrealistically the, accelerated. The degree to which, the, and I'm, I'm more so thinking about this at the, at the molecular level, the, the degree to which genetic, genetic change would have to happen at the large scale for, for, for this virus would have to be just monumental uh, in order to give it the sort of capability this quickly. Right. Um, so it's interesting you bring that up because in the movie, they specifically say they're like, this can't have turned into an aerosolized virus. It's barely infected any people. It hasn't been long enough. Right. And then yeah. Dustin Hoffman says something like there's got to be an animal host species that's replicating the virus, which that is true for not that reason. <laughs> like, yes, like, there is an animal, animal host species. species. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like, it doesn't mean that because one monkey is just persistently infected that it's like a fucking hotbed of mutations or something. Right. That's not, right. like, that's through a whole population of species over, like, years yes. and years and years yes. of time. Not like one monkey that's just immune to the virus. Not like, that's right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, also... Well, plus, if it's immune yeah. to the virus, well... I, could be yeah, I was going to say, like, if it's making antibodies against the virus... Then it's not replicating that quickly, is it? Well, it's also not going to have a persistent infection. Yeah. So, like, they're treating this one animal like an entire host reservoir species. Yes. Like, yes. each individual... Like, so, say we're talking about Ebola, we're talking about bats, which is likely the reservoir species for Ebola, even though it's not, like, determined... It's not like one bat just has Ebola in it and the Ebola just replicates over and over inside one bat Mm -hmm. because bats will still could still mount some sort of immune response against a virus, even if it's not lethal. So the virus has to like infect multiple bats over and over and keep moving around. Like it's not like it's not that they necessarily do make an immune response, but in this movie, they're getting serum from a monkey as a cure. So that means the monkey has made antibodies against the virus that it's currently just living with, yeah. which doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense because the antibodies would kill the virus. So yeah, that's a big logical fallacy in the movie. Agreed. I had another thing, Sean. So you mentioned this a second ago and in the movie, 
they talk about something called an anti-serum. And it seems extremely powerful. And I think uh, the bad man, Kevin Spacey, refers to it as um, orange juice when it's inside a bag. Uh, and they seem to have as much of this antiserum as people have orange juice. So I'm just wondering, can I cure orange use orange juice to cure my diseases? Uh, Kenan. Yeah? You can always use orange juice to try and cure your diseases. <laughs> Vitamin C. And that's homeopathy. Yeah, there seriously. You just take a you just take some orange juice, you dilute it into a li- into a, like like a liter of water, and mm-hmm. then you take that liter of water, you dilute that into another liter of mm-hmm. water, and then you drink it, and you're good. And you to mix go. it with champagne, and then you drink it. Um, no, but in all seriousness, so the concept of the anti serum. So basically, the theory of how this is supposed to be working is that if you're like, so let's use it in humans, for example, like Kenan, let's say you get sick with. Uh, chicken pox mm-hmm. right um and then you don't get chicken pox again right like you don't generally that's not a thing that normally happens with chicken pox you normally get it infected once you have symptoms once and then you're done right? right the reason you don't continue to get infections um on a general scale for most viruses is that your body has an immune response against it it's called an adaptive immune response so oh. your body makes antibodies and they circulate in your bloodstream. And if another virus of the same type comes to infect you, the antibodies in your blood will just immediately neutralize the virus before it has an opportunity to like productively infect your cells. Wow. I so love my antibodies. Your antibodies are great. Oh, yeah. And that's what that's how like humans' immune system, and not just humans, but a lot of mammalian immune systems work, is you you basically you have other arms of your immune system that work to destroy an infection but at the same time your body recognizes it and says like okay we need to remember this for if this ever happens again and that way we can in it we can stop it faster so it's not just the antibodies that are doing the work to murder these things no no you have um out of your adaptive immune system you also have t cells which are going to go find infected cells and literally destroy them um that is part of the response but the antibodies are really important for preventing a second infection with the same virus. They can work to ease an infection like that's currently ongoing. Um, but this is not always like a hundred percent a thing. So let me give you an example. Okay. So for Ebola there, the Ebola outbreaks are really severe. So the Zaire strain of Ebola has like a 90% mortality rate, which is pretty, pretty heavy. Like that's almost close to this fake virus in the movie. Mm which is 100% mortality. So before we had a, there was no vaccine for Ebola. There actually is a vaccine now, which we can talk about in a little bit, Um, but there was no vaccine. So what people were doing, hoping that they could help treat the virus is they were getting a blood serum or plasma from people that had been infected with Ebola and then recovered. And they were administering this to people who were getting sick with Ebola. And the hope was that they would have antibodies in their blood that would neutralize the Ebola and like diminish some of the um, like severity of the infection. But the problem with that is that doesn't always necessarily work because by the time you're displaying symptoms of Ebola, the virus is like ravaging your body basically like it's all over the place. And so just having antibodies injected in your bloodstream doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stop it 
Um, and what they actually found, there was a small study that was conducted on this. So obviously, you know, you can only do this when there's an active Ebola outbreak. Right. Um, but they basically found that there was no statistically significant benefit from getting uh, plasmapheresis from people that had like already been infected with Ebola. Wow. There was no statistical difference in the survival rate. I think it was like 31% survived versus 38% survived or something. It's also very, very interesting that like for a long time, antiserum was the go-to for Ebola viruses, which is a virus that causes hemorrhagic fever, causes hemorrhagic fever. When another virus, which causes hemorrhagic fever, the flavivirus, dengue virus, actually benefits from antibody-dependent enhancement, in which the antibodies that are developed against the virus can be co-opted by the virus to better infect things like macrophages and make the disease even worse. Right, exactly. So this was like... The, honestly, the reason people were trying it is because when you have Ebola, the only thing you can do for the patient is you just try and give them as much fluids as possible because dehydration is like a really, you know, you manage the symptoms, right? right? You stop the bleeding, you try and keep them like hydrated and stuff like that, and you just hope that it passes. Right. Um but there's not much you can do. So I think the idea was like, well, this might work. So let's try it because their mortality rate's super high. It's probably not going to give like be a problem either way. Um, but yeah, so anyways, the concept of using an anti-serum, that's, what, that's the idea behind it is that you're taking the immunity that someone who's already been infected has now established within their own blood and trying to impart it temporarily onto someone else. They've even discussed about using this for the new coronavirus. Um, oh, interesting. So, mm-hmm. well, thank God they had a capu- a white capuchin monkey available um, to give yep. some of the serum to human beings, and thank God that white capuchin monkeys and human beings are perfectly compatible. Yeah. Perfectly compatible. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. So basically, how lucky. That's that's one of the big the big things with this movie, like the the premise that. The, the antibodies made from a monkey would infer temporary immunity to a human is not even like an actual thing that is it's possible, <laughs> but there's no way of knowing that that's actually true. And even it all bigger hmm. is the idea that this monkey is tiny and humans big and you need a lot of <laughs> monkey blood for big human. Yeah. Human yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sean, wouldn't it depend upon the the level of the, I guess I want to say the similarity between how the virus manifests itself and causes damage in humans versus the monkey? Because if, because if, if the antibody is effective in a, in a primate or a monkey um, uh, being, right? And then it would, then there is at least potential for it to be uh, effective in a human as long as would there maybe the question I'm getting at is I don't know the answer is whether or not the methods of viral infection if the and if the virus would change or acquire uh, different sort of resistances in the human body versus the monkey body do we even know that I don't think so so basically it's kind of hard to determine honestly they don't give a lot of like they're working with a single monkey which is just so unrealistic yeah, it, doesn't, right. it doesn't make any yeah. sense like um, it's not like a species that's p- passing around the infection and stuff, like passing around the virus and allowing it to change. This is just like True. one monkey that has virus in it and apparently also has antibodies that neutralize the virus within all within the same body. That doesn't make any sense because in the movie, we see that the antibodies are doing something. 
So if the antibodies are working, you would think that would also get rid of the virus that's in the monkey. Like it doesn't. Right. Yep. The virus should be the same in the monkey and in the people. It just behaves differently based on like our physiology, like the way our cells work and the way our body is set up. It obviously causes severe symptoms in humans, but none in monkeys. Mm hmm. So mm -hmm. it is possible for viruses to behave differently, but it's not that the virus has changed. It's that human cells respond differently to it. So like, let me give you an example. There's an actual strain of Ebola uh, called the Reston strain. And some of you might have heard about this. Some of you might have not. But in Virgi Reston, Virginia, in, 1980, in 1989, I believe, uh, people were doing some experimentation on Ebola. It was a, like, you know, it's not new, but it was discovered, you know, um, 13 years prior. And there was a monkey research facility where this guy was essentially working with strains of Ebola. And what happened is they had a, an outbreak in the monkeys. So, like, they were working with macaque monkeys and all of them died. Basically, all of them started dying from uh, Ebola-like hemorrhagic fever symptoms. Mm. And as far as we know, as we knew at the time, it was just as deadly to humans. Like, it was just a strain of Ebola. And what it turns out was that the rest in strain of Ebola, there's five known strains of Ebola. All of them are lethal in humans, except for the rest in strain, which does not cause any... Um, any symptoms in humans. So the person who was working with it, I believe they actually administered the virus to themselves to Jesus show that it doesn't Christ. do anything, um, which is fucking crazy. I don't understand why virologists Ugh, keep doing yeah. this shit. Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of virologists who are like, like people who worked on, um, vaccinia virus. No, not vaccinia virus. What's it called? Um, myxoma virus. People worked on myxoma virus basically showing like people didn't believe them that these viruses weren't dangerous. So they just inject themselves. They're like, see, I'm fine. Which is just like crazy. Don't do that. Just trust the scientist. Okay. Just fucking trust them. So yeah. But Good anyways, God. so that's an example of a strain that humans and monkeys are very similar, but it just doesn't, it doesn't cause disease in humans, which is good for us. Cause that could have been a huge fucking catastrophe. Yeah, no Truth. Yes. So, mm -hmm. All right. Cool. I, anyways, I feel like I've talked a lot about Ebola. No, you're good. I was listening, but also trying to look up like uh, whether or not using uh, antibodies from a non-human primate source and infusing them into a person would just kill them immediately because of an immune reaction. But they're not. Yeah, you you could totally there's have that immune response. Well. Yeah, I mean, yes. I think there's like mm -hmm. the typical issues you have with transfusion or ABO typing and uh, rhesus factor, but both of those on the outside of red blood cells. Red blood cells, and those yeah. aren't in serums. So, like, anti-serum, which contains antibodies, as John was saying, is just the antibodies removed. So... It just... It, it honestly just depends. Like, so, again, this is not the first time that humans have used proteins from other animals. Yeah. So, uh, famously, like, insulin for diabetics was made for... Harvested from pigs for a long yeah. time. Um, and now insulin is made, like, in a lab, basically, in cells, in human cells. But before, it was pig insulin you injected it into your body and i'm sure most people were fine some people may have had a reaction to it because it wasn't of human origin but generally antibodies are like one of the more cross-reactive things yeah so 
your body might neutralize the monkey antibodies because it sees them as a foreign thing. So anyways, that's a, Mm -hmm. we're getting a little complicated, but But this is also a a technique that's been used uh, in many cases. And I think actually rabies virus uh, infections, it was used for a very, very long time. So they used to give uh, a polyclonal, so multiple different types of antibodies, serum injections directly into the abdomen of a patient who thought they had gotten infected with rabies. These were all antibodies against the virus. And that's why, I mean, there's a rabies vaccine now, but for a long time, uh, people would say, you know, like if you, you know, think you have rabies, you're going to get a shitload of shock, shots in the stomach. And that's because they were flooding your body with antiserum very, very quickly. And the only area of your body that can take in an injection of that volume is, surprise, your stomach cavity. Yeah. Yeah. Your abdomen. Yeah. And that's like another good point is like when they do the reason they say like if you've been bitten by something that you suspect has rabies come in immediately because by the time you're showing symptoms for a lot of these diseases, antiserum is not going to be enough because you already have like, if you're showing symptoms, the virus has already infected a lot of your cells. Yeah. So, but anyways, we're getting to the minutia. I want to go, we have a question that was asked by a friend of the show, Sid. Uh, He actually gave us a snail mail letter that he wrote uh, and (gasps) put on my desk at work. Oh my God. So the pony express. Is the first for everything, but he brings up a very good point, which is uh, how much uh, plasma does this freaking monkey have? Yep. Because if we assume that the treatment works, the anti-serum works, all of this is great, there's like an entire town of people and one monkey. Like, there's just no way that this monkey had enough blood <laughs> to give to an entire fucking, fucking town. Sid asked if also if that counted as animal cruelty because they probably just like steamrolled this monkey to get all the blood out of it. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think they cared about animal cruelty when they were about to bomb a town full of people, but you know. <laughs> a fair point. Yeah. Yes. But so mm-hmm. anyways, it's just completely unrealistic. It, um, it's it's very unrealistic. It and I also wonder uh, I wish the movie had given us an explanation for the antiserum that the army developed for the previous version of the disease, um, with, uh, yeah. E1101, which I believe is how they referred to it, mm-hmm. which was another antiserum that was created by, uh, again, infected monkey antibodies, apparently, which is just really funny because that means, uh, if we're following the movie's logic, either the army went out and captured trillions of these fucking monkeys and bled them in order to produce this. Or they just had a laboratory full of monkeys that they were infecting with the same strain of Ebola virus over and over again and then harvesting the antiserum and then producing it, I guess. The same strain of Ebola virus that can clearly infect humans and kill them, which is just a wild... God. Yeah, it's, it's fucking wild. All right, I think we kind of talked about enough about Ebola, but we were going to talk about the symptoms and the presentation. I think for the most part, a lot of the symptoms they show in the movie, they might be over-dramatized yeah. to some extent, but they are like along this, in the same vein of what people see with Ebola symptoms. There's like a lot of bleeding. Um, it's not, not every person has bleeding, yeah. but like 40% of the people will have like internal or external bleeding. Sometimes your eyes get red. Sometimes you get these yep. rashes on your skin. Stuff like that. They showed this in the movie. It's more like Hollywood fucking, you know, gore, but I get what they were going for. Yep, but what I, I really want to ask is why don't we go around round robin Ooh. instead of me keep talking. And we this. can talk about everyone's favorite ridiculous fucking scene in this movie. Hell yeah. Mm. How about that? Mm. Okay. All right. Because there's a lot of dumb shit that happens and we covered a lot of it, but there's some that we definitely haven't covered. 
I want Pace to go first because he sounds like he's ready. Well, I just the, the one thing that always got to me was how they have a very high level of disregard for personal protective equipment in this movie. Yeah. Uh, because because even even after Dustin Hoffman's like, holy shit, this has gone this has gone airborne. He's he's taking his mask off and just walking through doors and doing everything very nonchalantly mm-hmm. uh, through these laboratory spaces, which are clearly uh, not safe in which to be doing so. So that's the thing that really stuck out for me. I didn't like yeah, that. If, I thought that was for the sake of the uh, drama in the, in the just movie. Just to sort of so. expand on your point, uh, in many ways that the virus spreads in this, uh, it also has to do with the fact that nobody's wearing any PPE, even though people come in presenting symptoms that are like very indicative of, of a incredibly infectious like the disease. Workers, like, um, yeah. Another good one is when the hospital worker is working with, I guess, a broken centrifuge that in which the <laughs> lid opens while it's still running, sticks his hand into a running centrifuge and then it splashes onto happen. his face and it gets in his it eyes because he's not wearing fucking goggles. That scene <laughs> was the fucking wildest shit. Yeah. He yeah. was literally like, they were like trying to show that he's distracted by like watching football or something, but like centrifuges don't just open while they're spinning. No. They have a fucking safety lock on they them. They fucking don't. Also like, the tubes that you spin blood in a lot of the times are fucking plastic. Yes. They're not going to yes. break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're not going to break. You're just going to hit your hand. It literally, he touches it and blood just goes everywhere. Oh, yeah. You hear like yeah. a glass, a like an America's Funniest Home Video's glass shattering noise and blood sprays <laughs> out of the centrifuges. Which, which also, hey, everybody, if it's spinning in a centrifuge, the force of the blood is pushing down towards the bottom of the centrifuge. Yes. Stop not pushing up. up. You're just going to like, smash can, the glass. <laughs> Like, you can spin tubes with no lids in a centrifuge. I do this all the time. Like, yep. as long as you don't overfill them, the liquid's not going to fly up. It's spinning down. Yep. doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, also, so. the amount of blood that comes out of that centrifuge compared to the size of the centrifuge is also very disbelievable. <laughs> it's it a was lot. a microcentrifuge, and like a gallon of blood came out of it. Oh, it's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. But that's more minutia than, than our audience members can relate to. What about you, Sean? Um, I thought so. Okay, obviously, this virus being able to spread like v- when they when we see say airborne, we mean by like aerosolized particles that someone has like coughed out or like sneezed or something like that. It doesn't mean that every molecule of air around you is completely occupied by a virus, right? Okay, right. Yes. There's a scene where Kevin Spacey uh, rips his like outer containment suit that he's getting oxygen from. And, like, immediately runs to a decontamination chamber and sprays down and, like, doesn't tell anybody because he's, like, so afraid that he's been infected. (laughs) Yes. Which, like, he's not necessarily going to be infected. Like, just because they had patient samples, patient blood samples in the room doesn't mean that there are aerosolized particles from the blood. Like, the whole point is that... The, if you got the blood on you, that would be bad. But in the room with patient blood samples, there's no aerosolized virus unless a patient is coughing virus everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know? Right. right. It doesn't mean yeah. that the virus just starts floating into the fucking air. It's not, like, made of helium. Like, it's, it doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not saying it For wouldn't sure. be bad if the contamination was broke. I just think the assumption that, like, he's definitely infected from that is just, like, ridiculous. Same when Dustin cool. Hoffman like looks at the air vents and is like, "Oh my god, it's airborne!" My like, god, yeah, 
It's that going airborne. <laughs> yeah, right. Unless someone's like coughing into the vent. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. You can spread stuff via a ventilation system, but I would hope that a hospital has some sort of filter system in place on their ventilation. You would think. Yes, you would think. Also, they wouldn't set up a quarantine room with a giant air intake valve in the center. I don't understand why yeah. that's a fucking thing. So, yep. yeah. Agreed. Um, I'm going to do... Uh, I've got a pretty good one that um, that I, I made me really angry, and I mentioned it earlier a little bit, but um, Patrick Dempsey works in a monkey facility where they're like transporting captured monkeys in order to use them for research or, I guess, pets or whatever, I think... Pet store owner says that somebody has a hobby of making monkeys fuck. Um, anyway, nice. the point is, is that uh, Patrick Dempsey and everyone around him is not wearing any personal protective equipment whatsoever um, in a facility full of monkeys and capuchin monkeys, much like things like rhesus macaques or, you know, other monkeys that are used for research carry an incredible number of diseases, including things like herpes simplex virus. They, some of them have uh, hepatitis B Things that they can just be carriers of that if you get a bite or a scratch or things like that, you can just have transmitted to you. Um, and I think Patrick Dempsey has like a onesie on with ripped sleeves and that's all he's wearing. Yes. Yeah, it's it's fucking ridiculous. Like people that work in like factory farms, like making growing chickens for like food, wear personal protective equipment when they're working with chickens. Yeah. Like this is like monkeys that they've just picked up off the streets of Africa, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess. They just have in a warehouse. The other so. part of that, too, is that, like, actually in a lot of these facilities, humans are wearing personal protective equipment like masks in order to prevent the transmission of diseases to the monkeys or to the animals. And that's because if you have 900 monkeys in a building and you give one of them a disease that kills them, all of the monkeys die. And it may be right. something that you have like very mild symptoms of or mild presentation of that could just wipe out all the monkeys in the room. So personal protective equipment exists for protecting you and our animal friends. Exactly. Indeed. Anyway, that was <sighs> mine. The other one is that uh, Patrick Dempsey guards, bribes a security guard with $40, which like I saw him pull out a wad of cash in order to get through the security gate, and it was just two twenties, and I was like, okay, well, that's not worth risking your job over. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Fucking so dumb. Um, that's yeah. it. That's- I mean, there were a lot of wild... I mean, we could talk about two literally endless... Endless points about how, like, they had a fucking helicopter chase scene and <sighs> yeah. shit. Like, it's all pretty wild, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. That's another good one. If we wanted to assess the military accuracy in this movie, we could talk about how uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and... Um, Jesus, fuck. I almost said Harrison Ford. Uh, the graduate get away in a helicopter, and they don't just blow them out of the sky with a jet. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like... <laughs> I just don't understand why they're like they're blocking the bomber. He even tells the other pilot like get up there and shoot them out of the sky, and then just nothing happens. Yep. <laughs> just like okay. Anyway, so there's a lot of dumb shit in there, but I think honestly one of the stupidest things. I, so I, I have one more, and then I'll move on to another one. But I think the other Do thing it, that was in here was just. Bleh, 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 bleh. No! There it is. You got us. We're in there. Got I got you. You guys had no idea it was coming. I am surprising. 
Hey, this is just another reminder to the audience. For those of you that drop out before the ratings, we're going to talk about the current coronavirus pandemic afterwards. Yes, we are. So (laughs) if you're Um, my mom, any of my cousins, or the one person who emailed me earlier and had questions about viruses, uh, this is the time to listen. Okay, so now you can rate it, Kenan. Uh, Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, I guess I'll I'll just do that. Okay, so um, I'm going to rate the entertainment second because we do the science first. Um, So as far as the science goes in this movie, so I'm actually torn between giving it a 2 out of 5 and a 3 out of 5. I think I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 5 because a lot of the science in this movie is like – in regards to the virus and the movement of the virus is dumb, dumb horseshit. But there's like teeny tiny moments. Sean's giving me this look. There's teeny tiny moments in the film that are actually like really anchored in science. So like there's a point where they think one of the humans has a specific, like has the virus and they're like, we need to run an Eliza, uh, which is real. And then they run an Eliza and they do an assessment based on what strain of the virus they think they have. Now here's the thing though. They can't run an Eliza because they don't have any antibodies for the virus. So I don't know how they ran it. Hey, Kenan. But the premise is That's true. That's a great <laughs> They ran point. a single well in a 96 well plate. They have no reference for their Eliza. Hey, listen. I, That's Sean, true. I'm not here to oh criticize God, the CDC. I am here to criticize the science. But I think I'm going to give it a 2.5 because the science in here that is accurate is pretty accurate. And the science in here that is bad is really fucking bad. Yeah, um, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your entertainment? Oh, uh, four out of five. I mean, the movie's like really, really fun to watch, but I really hate watching Dustin Hoffman and Renee Russo interact with each other. And I also, <laughs> I think I decided during the course of this film that I don't like Dustin Hoffman's acting. Like, I don't think he's very good. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he played Hook in Captain Hook, right? Yeah, he also did Rain Man. Rain Man was he was he was a good actor. Rain Man was good. Okay, so Rain Man was good, and Hook was his magnum opus. This one kind of blew. The there's like a there's like several emotional moments in this movie that are supposed to be emotional, but there's literally a scene where Dustin Hoffman goes, uh, "Hey, I had to tell you something," and Renee Russo goes, "What is it?" And he goes, "I forgot." And she goes, "Come on." And he goes, "I remembered." And it happened exactly <laughs> as fast as I said it just now. That's- that's a good point. That was not convincing. Don't you know that 90s movie scientists are all emotionless robots? So fucking stupid. Yeah. Anyway, I'm point. done. Somebody else go. Pace, Dumb stereotypes. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm not as as uh, affluent in the language and science behind virology as you are, but um, I I had a similar sentiment as, as Canon in regards to the science. I'm going to give it a three out of five. You guys are fucking blowing um, my mind right now. <laughs> for, okay sean you know why i'm torn right now we've watched so many movies with zero science in them and now we encounter a movie that has actually a lot of science and so much so much material to work with that i'm inclined to give it a somewhat Listen, higher fine. rating you you rate it what you think pace it's your prerogative there was a lot of bad science in this movie um but there was uh there was a, a small amount of there's good a science. skeleton of good science um, in this film <laughs> There's a skeleton of good, of good science, um, and I think I have to give credit where credit is due. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it three out of five for the entertainment. I'm gonna give it a four out of five. I did I did enjoy it. I liked mm-hmm. watching the movie. The thing that I like most is they they clearly thought, what if we took a buddy cop movie and but we made them doctors. 
um, with military with, with Dustin Hoffman and, uh, and uh, Cuba, so Cuba Cutting Jr. <laughs> yes, yeah. And and I love them going around like acting like they were so important and just like when they would anyway. I enjoyed that. I thought it was um, overall for being made in '95. It was a good movie. Hell yeah! All right, Sean, give us your dumb ratings. All right, that's kind of fucked up. It's kind of an aggressive tone to take on the show, Kenneth. It's true. He's an aggressive person. It's he's really aggressive. I'm I'm still waiting for the apology. I'm just waiting for the apology. Uh, oh, I'm not, not going to apologize. Uh, okay. Go. Yeah. Fuck you. Okay, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I am going to give the science a three out of ten. Um, and I think it's lucky right. that I'm giving it a 3 out of a 10 because I think that the only good pieces of science in this movie are the similarities of the virus to an Ebola virus, which they liken it to in the movie. I think that mm-hmm. they got the symptoms relatively... I mean, the symptoms that they say are basically the same. The you know visual aesthetics from the Hollywood gore magic is uh, not exactly the same, but I think it's similar. Everything else, I think, is complete nonsense. I think maybe some of the containment stuff is reasonable. I was actually going to say, Sean, what about the... the? I'm not sure if you consider the strategies for containment as an aspect of the science or not. I understand if you say it's not. Um, but that that seemed un, like one of, one of the more realistic, realistic aspects of the film relative to the other I parts. I think the strategies of containment are fine, except for the concept of like murdering everybody that's sick. I think that's a little wild. But, um, maybe that's just my yeah. new way of thinking, but... Maybe you're just not as forward yeah, thinking as they but are. I, I mean, I think the containment true. strategies are fine. I don't. Is. The PPE they're wearing, like the hazmat suits, are a little interesting, but I think they're fine. I, I just really think like the scientific testing, like the the Eliza. Yes, they said the word Eliza, right, but like right. they don't have. They use the buzzword Eliza. That, they would have got no information from that from that Eliza plate. They have no antibodies. They have no ability to run one. They have no reference. They don't know what's going on. Um, the serum monkey thing is just complete bullshit. The virus mutating to an airborne strain by being in one monkey is complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like the <laughs> monkey being a host species that is sick and has antibodies doesn't make any, or not sick and also has antibodies makes no fucking sense. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that like overall there's enough bad science that I'm giving it a three out of 10. As far as the entertainment, fair that's fair. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 because I actually did like the movie. Hey, pretty good. Um, yeah. I liked it as an action movie. I did not like it as a science movie. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, same. I was watching same. it with Sarah, and I would just periodically just start like laughing in the middle of the movie, and she was like, "Why are you laughing?" And I was like, "Because this is this is ridiculous. This is crazy. This fucking one <laughs> monkey that's not even native to this continent that has the serum that they need for an entire town. It doesn't make any sense." So. And you have and you have buddy cop doctors flying around in a helicopter in Northern California looking for a monkey from Africa. It's not from Africa. Right? In a fucking military helicopter chase. <laughs> yes. It's wild. Yeah, it's really good. So, it's crazy. Yeah, um, but 7 out of 10. Uh, yeah. Cool. Thanks, I... Sean. I forgot what I was going to say. We you want to change your rating because I was so insightful? No, I don't want to change my rating. I think that your, uh, that your bad ratings for this science will discourage people from making more movies about science. They're going to hear how hateful you are, and they're going to oh, be like, Oh, is well, that it? The Hollywood executives are like, man, mm-hmm. we were going to make Outbreak 2, but Sean <laughs> dunked on us too hard. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, hey, um, hey, Kenan. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> That's, okay. All right. Chill, man. Yeah. Come on. 
fucking get ready. I'm passionate wow, about what science is movies. Hard ass over here. I just wanted here. Michael Bay yeah. to make Outbreak Three. It would have oh. been so good. God, that would be so good. Yeah. I would watch. Wow, that. that's really you said a lot of uh, weird shit in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, do you guys want to talk about uh, coronavirus? Uh, this coronavirus outbreak. I would love to talk yeah, about I coronavirus. I think it's important, even though the episode's going to be a little longer. Like it's a current pandemic that we haven't seen something like this since like 1918. Yeah, and by we, I mean not me. Correct. Yeah, I mean this is like. Yeah a reflavoring of some outbreaks that have happened previously, but this is, as you were saying, on a scale that has not happened in quite a while. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I, so I think like it's important to talk about the background of coronaviruses. I mean, we talked about uh, a little bit about where the Ebola viruses come from, so we can do this do the same thing for corona. Um, so these are a family of viruses that cause anywhere from actually mild to severe respiratory tract infections in humans um these can actually produce infections that are like the common cold in fact there are coronavirus infections that occur that are deemed common cold um even though we typically think of the common cold to be induced by rhinovirus um rhino but on the other side of this several versions of these viruses can actually produce an outbreak much like the one that we're having or to a lesser extent from what we've seen in the past couple of years out of corona um those of sars one or mers um, so you can actually get some severe life-threatening cases of illness um, from these viruses. Um, I think one thing that's interesting to point out or good to point out is that uh, a lot of people are referring to this as like the COVID-19 outbreak. So just for clarity's sake, the COVID actually refers to coronavirus disease 2019. This virus is SARS-CoV-2, so Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2. And the SARS outbreak that we had a couple of years ago, I think in 2004, maybe? It was 2002? That sounds right. We'll say... I think it was 2002. We'll say... We'll meet in the middle and say 2003. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> this was SARS-CoV-1, or just SARS-CoV. Um, something to keep in mind is that the uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus, so the one responsible for the current outbreak, uh, is what's known as a group 2 beta coronavirus. So the previous mm-hmm. one was also a beta coronavirus. Mm-hmm. The current virus actually shows uh, 70% gem- genetic similarity to SARS-CoV. So we talked about mutation mm-hmm. rates. This gives you an idea of like how this virus is mutated inside of its reservoir host, uh, which are thought to be bats. Right. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting about SARS, and I don't think this is the case in MERS because the the difference in where the outbreak happened, but it's actually thought that the original SARS had an intermediate host before coming to humans, and that's the pangolin, uh, which is fucking wild uh, that this little like armadillo-ass, uh, anteater-ass animal was like an intermediate host prior to getting like, to humans. Civids c- c- yeah, or geez. something? Yeah, I I don't I don't actually this is a case where I don't actually know the phylogeny of this organism. Wow, weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they're really cute and you should look them up. But uh they said they might have SARS. <laughs> Might also have SARS. Yes, that's correct. Um, there's some indication. So, like, when viruses actually look at these, they not only look for genetic similarity, but they look where, like, virus DNA could have recombined with other viruses um, or where similar viruses in these organisms might have recombined with SARS. So, some of their genetic material, just because you have two different viruses in the same cell, they're already really shitty at replicating. Some of that machinery can get tangled, and you'll have small sections of DNA or, or rather, RNA in this case 
in each of those viruses that sh- that reflect basically they were infecting at the same time. Um, they found SARS-CoV-2 genetic material inside of pangolins recently. And so the thought is like maybe this also had an intermediate host. But I thought yeah. that was kind of weird because it's that such a strange cool. organism. It is weird. It have. is because I feel like we have talked about bats as a potential reservoir for Ebola and SARS and uh, MERS was, I guess, camels, people were thinking. Yeah, but um, I think also bats were another part of that vectorization for right. camels. I think so. what, what the current thought is that a lot of these viruses are actually originating in bats. Yeah. Yeah. And bats are actually like very, very able to withstand these. So, um, very famously bats, uh, will carry rabies. Uh, so rabidiviruses and, and actually Mm -hmm. it's, uh, medically suggested uh by others not me i'm not a doctor i'm not that kind of doctor that if there's a bat in your house and there's been a bat in your house at any point you've been asleep that you should go get a rabies shot because they could have just bitten you uh bitten you while you're sleeping they could have shit in your mouth you know that happens bat just shit bats just shit in people's mouths um and it smells so bad i hope you (laughs) fucking notice that like That's that's a lot. That's a lot to be happening. I'm a light sleeper. But, I like the fact that the way people know they have bats in their house is they walk in and they're like, "Why does my house smell like a fucking dumpster?" <laughs> because a bat just been yeah. shitting twenty four seven. Why does my yeah. house smell like right. old exactly. food? <laughs> Every time I go into my attic, I'm like, "There better not be a fucking bat up here." I'm totally terrified. There's gonna be a bat. But part of the uh, sort of viral reservoir, so to speak, or viral treasure trove that these bats can have, uh, coronavirus is also included in this list. So um, one thing to keep in mind, there's a lot of like really shitty rhetoric uh, about the Chinese and them, quote unquote, starting this uh, on the Internet. Some of it's even leaked into our government. People are saying these things. Um, It's thought that the origin of this virus, SARS-CoV-2, uh, can be traced back to an open air market in Wuhan. Keep in mind that China has one of the largest uh, concentrations of bats, especially fruit bats, in the hemisphere. Um, and it's entirely possible that one of these bats just like ate a piece of fruit and left some behind, or their bat feces got on something, and this is how this was transmitted. There's a lot up in the air now about where this actually came from. There's some things to suggest that it was not actually started in the market, but some of the original people who were infected, there were no connections to that market originally. Maybe it was brought in, and then you have an open-air area where people are touching a lot of food. People are really, really close to each other. It can very rapidly spread. Um so just come, something to keep in mind. Don't be shitty. Yeah, yeah. like, don't fucking yeah. blame the Chinese because of this. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's like blaming someone for, like, if pe- people raise chickens in America and in other countries for eating, bird flu is, like, spread by, like, chickens. It'll, like, infect a farm or something. It's like yeah. saying, like, oh, those idiots were growing chickens to eat them. I like, can't believe they would do yeah. that. That's so gross. Americans and started like, bird flu because they eat chicken nuggets. <laughs> right? Ugh. Yeah, that's like saying that. Like, can you believe Americans are eating these processed chicken dinosaur nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, definitely wanted to get uh, get that out there, but something, another, I mean, you already hear this all over the place, right? But where people are self-quarantining, um, the average time that the virus shows up after exposure is anywhere from five to 10 days. So it's thought that if you think you might be exposed or you have the potential to have been exposed, uh, you should stay inside for at least two weeks and then get cleared by your doctor for symptoms. If you can't get a test, a lot of people aren't able to get tests right now, unless you're an NBA player or you're super rich or both. Um, so if you think you may have been exposed, <laughs> please NBA stay players. indoors. 
There's a lot of people who yeah. are not exhibiting symptoms, so people our age could potentially pass it on to people who are immunocompromised or old. So it's a good thing to be self quarantining. Yeah, I think. Yes, I think Pace. Unless did you have something to say? Or? Well, no, I was actually going to say, Sean. I think you were right. I was I was waiting for this to update, but at at the time of recording, which is the 18th of March, 2020, uh, there are about 215,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus across the world. Uh, with 8,700 deaths and 83,000 recoveries. So you're right. It has indeed well surpassed the 200K Yeah. So I I think, like, I want to get out by saying, like, none of us, we're all, like, uh, scientists, but none of us are medical doctors. And But because we, like, Ken and I work on viruses, um, like, one specific virus that's not uh, a coronavirus <laughs> at all. Um, no. But people, you know, have asked us questions, and we have a podcast. He says he coughs. I just want to, like, get out in front by saying, like, if you're asking for advice or wondering what you should do, my recommendation is to listen to what the CDC and the WHO are saying, the 100%. World Health Organization, um, because yep. they are specifically, like... D- equipped to handle something like this like they are ep- yeah. epidemiologists and what epidemiologists do i mean they have epidemiologists that work there they like study the spread of diseases and look at it from like a public health perspective and figure right. out what needs to be done um the reason everyone's quarantining so some people might be thinking like oh you know i don't need to quarantine i don't feel that sick or something like that the whole reason everyone's quarantining is in order to slow the spread of the virus through our society so that our medical yep. facilities can handle the people that are sick because if everybody got sick all at once we can't treat everybody at once so some people are just going to have to be denied nope. treatment and so the reason the quarantines are in place it's not about necessarily the individual not getting sick it's about the society as a whole not spreading the disease like rapidly so i know we've talked about uh herd immunity in the past and how it works for things like vaccines self-quarantining quarantining at the moment is our herd immunity we don't have the ability to vaccinate certain individuals in order to protect other individuals who can't get vaccinated or who are very susceptible to to the disease so in the event that we don't have one our only option is to cordon ourselves off from other people so we're not passing it to those people who are you know less able yeah um but yeah so i mean like i don't know i guess obviously this is it's a very it is a big deal like this is a big event that's happening and like i think some people think like oh you guys are scientists like you must have like a you must me medical advice what's up you must know what's up with this like should i be scared should i not be scared and like what i'm gonna tell you is like it's a big deal don't get don't get me wrong but there's only it's more from a philosophical standpoint there's only so much you can do and what you can do is limit your social interactions it may not be perfect but limit your social interactions wash your hands and just try and you know understand that it's for the greater it's for the greater good of our country you know like try to keep people from getting sick so (laughs) there's no toilet paper shortage okay there isn't. The same material to make the masks is not the same material to make toilet paper. Okay? You don't need all that wait, TP. Wait, 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 wait. Is okay. that why the toilet paper's gone? Yes. People oh think that God, it's the same no material? Way. And people think that all the TP and the material to make the masks <clears throat> are made in China. Okay. Well, so that's... People are people are hoarding it. That's the that's how terrible and misinformed people are Lord. right now. 
That's what I'm. That's is what this I'm getting. Why I've at. been ha- so it's you're awful. telling me that I've been having to dunk my butt in my bathtub because mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. think that the masks that we use are made from toilet paper. Yes. Boy, you know I how much water that. I have to use in my bathtub every time I have to fill it up, dunk Sean, my butt in, and you then you should just stop? buy a bidet. Like that's the this is the option. I own a bidet. It's a huge bidet. <laughs> <laughs> My jacuzzi tub it's is really just sink. a big multi-person bidet, if you think about it. Yeah, just like a, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right, Kenan. Jacuzzi tubs are just group bidets. Kenan, what else would those jets be for? They're for getting in there and nice. getting you clean. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> wink, wink. I do want to say wink, one more wink. thing before we stop talking about poop. Um, yeah. If you have to go to work to survive, this is not your fault. So please don't feel guilty by anything that we're saying, what other people are saying. If you work hourly and your job is not kind enough because of the, I guess, capitalism, um, (laughs) it's not your fault if you have to work to pay rent and nobody is assisting you with that because, I don't know, capitalism's bad. Yeah, no, I mean, like, the... (laughs) Aside from uh, Kenan's, you know, anti-capitalist opinions, like... In general, I think <laughs> what people need to do are the best they can in order to try and contain the spread. And all that means is like practice social distancing. If you think you're sick, please don't go to work if you can help it. If you can't for some reason, like just take whatever precautions you can. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Um, but all these, all the rumors that like it's not a big deal. It's just like the flu. It's not. And also the flu is a big deal. So like stop. Stop saying that. Yes. Also get vaccinated for the flu, you fucking idiots. Hell yeah. So, All right. Um, I think we've yelled at enough people about public health. Yeah, probably. Do we feel good? Do you guys want to do listener questions? I want to do listener questions, and I want Pace to read them to me in a gentle voice so that I can not freak out about ha- the pandemic. I would be Let's do it, Pace. Yeah, Pace, that. if you could just gently, yeah. just like really, like pretend you're, you're a jazz musician, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're gonna slow talk well, jazz at me about mm-hmm. a coronavirus. Ooh, that's good. Can can I so do what one? You're trying to say is to, you can absolutely do one, Kenan. So, what, Sean, what you're trying to get at is we should make the coronavirus sound as sexy as possible. That is exactly what I'm saying, Pace. I just wanted you to 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 communicate that to me. Okay. Do, do you want to go first, Kenan? You expressed the desire to to be sexy. Oh no, I was gonna give a like a metaphor for how softly I want you to read the questions. <laughs> oh, can oh you we do needed that? two metaphors for that. <laughs> Oh, oh, I can. Okay. Uh, pretend like we're out of... <laughs> Stop talking for you pretend, to do it. Pretend like we're out of toilet paper, and you're going to gently lower me into a jacuzzi tub in order to make sure that I'm clean for the day. All right, Kenan. I think that uh, <laughs> I think that I could do that for you. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I'm, totally. I'm still trying to come to terms with what you just said to me, but... Um, <laughs> I'm not coughing because of that. I'm coughing. I had to use a lot of sheets to rig up that pulley system to gently lower (laughs) Kenan. All right, are you guys ready? Yes, please. Mm -hmm. Uh, This first one comes from Sarah Eisenlor on Twitter. Hey, don't get close to the mic though. It's still going to be harder to edit if you do that. I fuck fuck (laughs) off. At Byzantine Fork on Twitter, thank you for your question, Sarah. Sarah asks, what kind of unspeakable act might you commit that would anger the gods enough to wreak havoc upon the earth? Looking at you, kitten. Oh. Um, I can only assume that she means uh, what 
what unspeakable act would we do to induce the wrath of God, which in this case is obviously the coronavirus epidemic? Yeah, pandemic. I think I think what she's actually saying is, what did Kenan do? What's Kenan, what did <laughs> you do? She's referring to the beginning Kenan, of the movie. What did where, you do? Where one of the Native Africans asserts that a local witch doctor, which love that, great, thanks, um, as, yep. is saying that it is the gods angry, and that's why yes, the correct Ebola virus is there. Yes. Um, so, Kenan, what did you do? I would say maybe the whole group group bidet jacuzzi comment is probably a pretty <laughs> pretty strong source of ire from deities. <laughs> they're like, we made those jacuzzis for relaxing. How could you? <laughs> they're not jacuzzis. That's what? What? Jacuzzi. 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 Fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's probably it. I mean, that's a good, it's good to, it's fun to joke, you know, it's good to have fun. <laughs> Sean's <laughs> okay. not having a good time self-quarantining. No, clearly not. Clearly no, not. I'm actually fine self-quarantining. I'm just, you know. Well. I just don't like blaming, uh, things that we know the causes of on deities, but I think if it was a Japoopy related thing, or Japoozy, sorry, mm. that, that makes more sense to me now. Okay. Um, do either of you want to... Do you want to suggest unspeakable acts? Unspeakable acts. Uh, oh man, I'm I I'm Sean heard me earlier. I'm basically have zero flaws and imperfect. So um, I don't think oh. I, I could commit any unspeakable yeah. acts. I'm glad I'm, I actually can't imagine anything worse than a jacuzzi. So <laughs> it's uh all right. We've yeah, got I it. think that's probably it, Kenneth. I think asked and answered. You nailed it. Asked and answered. All right, let's do the next question. <laughs> Let's do that. Uh, the next question, <laughs> speaking of quarantining ourselves, this next You're question comes me. from Curtis Ryan DeGraw at Abnormal Mormon on Twitter. What is the hardest Mormon. part from the research side of things about trying to deal with slash solve this kind of virus? What makes it unique from other illnesses? Y'all good? Need anything? How are you guys feeling about this whole asterisk gestures to everything asterisk? Oh, thank you for your question, Merman. Also, thank you for your question, Sarah. Appreciate that. Yes, thanks, both of you. Um, Kenan, do you have something? Uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> I mean, I think, I feel like we answered this question for a lot of, like, disease and outbreaks type things, but it bears mentioning, like, um, misinformation for me is probably the hardest thing with situations like this. Like, there's a lot of very, very bad non-medical advice circulating out there on the internet and I'm not a medical doctor. So I have to somehow, and you mentioned this earlier, find the cross section of giving people advice, but being like, also, I'm not a doctor. So listen to your primary care provider if you want to survive the pandemic. But also, hey, maybe the thing that you saw on Facebook of people saying you should gargle with vinegar if you think you've been infected because it gets rid of the virus is complete fucking horseshit. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely... it. I honestly, like, I'm always super angry when people are posting pseudoscience in general. Like, I just think it's, I think that it is almost always hurtful because, like, like harmful to people. Like, people always say, like, oh, it's not hurting anyone if it's just, like, someone doing this thing for themselves. And I'm like, yeah, but the spread of misinformation, like, is toxic. Yeah. So... Um, yeah. From a research standpoint, though, I was going to say I think it's honestly vaccine development. I mean, um, best case scenario from start to finish, we've got 18 months till a vaccine shows up. And that's hard to deal with when, like, controlling the spread can be difficult when people aren't listening. Yeah. 
here you you go first pace we've been talking a lot no it's okay i was just going to point out some of the critical steps that you have to sort of do to even develop the vaccine in the first place because not only do you have to uh you, you have to, first you have to understand you know how the virus behaves in in humans and animals to develop an animal model and you have to demonstrate that it's like safe to trigger the right part of the immune system without causing damage to right. the being that you're administering it to uh, and then you have to test it in, in clinical trials which which can take a long period of time and has to be in a number of humans who are uh, to see if it works these are, have to be humans that are infected with with the virus and so you have you have infected humans that are going into uh, and testing an experimental vaccine in hopes that it will that it will cure their ailment and in a, in a, I mean arguably even in a rushed and more highly experimental environment than than normally occurs so um, and as Kenan says this takes this can take 18 months sometimes more than that to to develop so yeah and I think for, from a you know a research perspective another thing with this is so most people, have heard of the flu shot. Hopefully they've had it, even though only like 40 something percent of Americans have had it. The flu and this virus are very similar in like their biology in the sense that they are both RNA viruses. And for all that means to, for, for, for you guys is that uh, when something's an RNA virus, it generally will have a higher mutation rate than a DNA virus. That's not like always a rule but that is like a more common trend. Um, and when you have a virus like coronavirus, which is pretty similar, the mutation rate's pretty high. Yeah. And if the mutation rate's high, that means that a vaccine that is developed to treat the virus may, likely will not provide immunity against every available strain that now will emerge mm. of this virus. Mm. So like there, there's a reason you have to take a new flu vaccine every year and that's because the flu vaccine will only give you immunity against uh, specific strains of the virus. And scientists have to predict which strains they think are going to be the most prevalent in the human population every season. Truth. And the way they do that is by looking at the animal reservoir species for flu and sampling them and sequencing the virus and seeing which virus is more prevalent. And they think like, okay, well, this is most likely what's going to jump to humans this year and cause you know seasonal flu so without that knowledge base with coronavirus you don't have anything to go off of like people have had flu for years before there was a flu vaccine and now you got a new thing people are going to make a vaccine but it might work it might help it might be like a reduced disease state it might be completely fine or or it might not work at all so um it's difficult because of the type of virus um makes sense yeah yeah thanks Sean. i agree with that do you get what do we want to answer if we're good? I'm generally good. I mean, it's from another research perspective, it's very hard to do work when uh, in a lab when you can't go into lab. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but like, I'm not going to complain about that. Like everybody fucking else is getting stuck from work. And I, I don't think I'm currently at risk of being laid off, which I can't say for everybody else. So yeah, I feel really guilty being like, wow, I wish I could go to work because I hate orchestrating you know, so research from a distance. But when there's so many people who are like, wow, it really blows that I have to still go to my work at a coffee shop that hundreds of people are still coming into a day. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, there's that. There's also people that are like, my work has told me not to come in and they're starting to lay people off. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. rough. And We're so, all and very lucky. Um, also, shout out to all of our fucking healthcare workers out there. You guys yep. are literally the MVPs they are the of this heroes. entire situation. 
Yeah. So we are good. We are in our 20. Well, most of us are in our 20s. Okay, sure. And, um, <laughs> and you know, we uh, don't have underlying health conditions. No. And like, I work in academia, which like, is not like a profit driven <laughs> industry. So it's generally not as likely that I'll be laid off. But yeah, Sean has like, um, basically six years worth of writing to do for his postdoc and Pace and I can both work uh, online. So I've I've been working from home for a week now and I do work in a profit-driven industry, but um, my production has pretty much been staying the same, thankfully. So I want to do another question. Thank you both for your questions, by the way. So, can can right. you smooth jazz talk to us when you're doing the question? Yeah, I can do that. All right. This next question comes from Bart Hoffman at Dented Cardor on Twitter. We've heard a lot about washing our hands and not touching our faces. So much so that the CDC has recommended shaving our beards. Fuck that. How does this affect <laughs> smokers? Are the smokers more susceptible to illness because they touch and then wrap their mouths around that cigarette? Does smoking in general put you more at risk? Oh, well, Bart, thanks for the question. Uh, I would say that I, I mean, obviously touching anything and then putting something in your mouth is going to aid in transmission of a respiratory virus, but I think smoking is going to put you much more at risk because it's going to fuck up your lungs. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, there's actually a decent amount of data to suggest that a lot of the people in China who uh, like a large percentage of the people in China who died um or were who had more severe cases of the diseases were smokers. Um and the same can be true of Italy as well actually. Yeah, it's just that like smoking already causes issues for your lungs and so if you have a disease that causes pneumonia um and you already have emphysema from smoking and stuff, that's just going to make it harder to breathe. And if you can't breathe, you can't live. So it's going to be tough. So yeah, you're at higher risk from smoking, but not just not because you're putting cigarettes in your mouth, more because you're putting smoke into your lungs. Yeah. The face-to-mouth so. transmission, though, doesn't help. I would say that uh, beard wearers and mustache wearers are probably at a higher risk, too, uh, because I touch my mustache about 400,000 times a day. That's true. Um, so... <laughs> Just, you guys just not do that, man. You just got to trim it. You're stroking your mustache right now as I'm talking. I have you ADHD. I have to be constantly moving. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just going to get coronavirus. Kenan, you can't spontaneously get coronavirus from touching your face. <laughs> I'm kind of itchy, dude. Oh, my God. Kenan's freaking out. We should read another question, shouldn't we? The next question, again, comes from Bart Hoffman at Denning Dark Cardor on Twitter. Thank you, Bart. I've heard a lot about the two-week period where the virus causes no symptoms, but, are, but folks are infected. Can you explain the inner goings on of what happens from the time I get touched by an infected customer and then when I go to the hospital? Oh, no. <laughs> well, Bart, this is actually a very, very good question. And I am going to be honest, I don't know like all of the details for every virus that is like this. Um, but there's often a refractory period from the time when a person gets infected to the time they start showing symptoms. And the main reason this is, is that the symptoms that you are having are sometimes not directly because of the virus. It's because of your body's response to the virus. So something like when you get a cold and you start coughing and sneezing, that is your body's immune system like stimulating coughing and sneezing as a method to like expel the virus, like get rid of like, you're making a lot of mucus to keep more virus from getting into your nose. Like it's a, it's part of an immune response where you're trying to get the virus out of your body. And that is also going to happen, you know, with coronavirus to some extent, not, not sneezing, but you're going to have an immune response. But the thing is an immune response is delayed. It takes like, 
it could take like, I don't know, anywhere from one to two weeks for your body to mount a full immune response against a virus. It's obviously going to start doing something sooner, like as soon as it can, but there has to be enough virus in your body for your body to realize that something's wrong because you get, you know, you can, you ingest foreign substances every day. You probably breathe in foreign substances every day, but it's got to do something to stimulate your body's immune response. So in that refractory time, the virus is just like replicating and doing stuff to your cells, but you're not having symptoms. Um, Second, also like the lung issues, like if you have fibrosis in your lungs, that means that you've had like a lot of tissue damage in the lungs. That's not going to happen until after the virus has already busted out of a bunch of your cells and started destroying the tissue. Yeah, that's right. And if that happens, you know, you don't get that symptom until the virus has already replicated a bunch. So that's sort of why there's a refractory period. Yeah, and um, a lot of the information that we're seeing in, in regards to people who are asymptomatic, I think there's probably quite a spectrum of people who may really be symptomatic or also may actually have, be a false positive for infection and people who are very mildly symptomatic. Um, and if you're you know anything like I was when I was 21, I felt like garbage all the time. And so I'm sure there are plenty of people who are not actually self-reporting symptoms or feel asymptomatic, but actually would test positive who are still able to spread the virus via like coughing, saliva contact, things like that. Yeah. We are also in like peak allergy season here in Florida. So like everybody's got some congestion. There's like pollen everywhere. Mm -hmm. So like, it's kind of hard because people are like, Oh, I'm congested. But like, is that a very, very mild symptom from a mild case of coronavirus? Like, probably not. It's probably from allergies, but, like, you never know. So yeah. it's just hard to tell what these things. Like, there's foreign things coming into your body all the time, so your body doesn't just react to everything. If it did, you would have a huge problem. Like, that's where allergies come from. It's your body reacting to something that's not doing anything. It's just, like, a foreign thing that's getting put in your body and your immune system's freaking out. Um, but if you think you're sick, better, you know... Try and stay indoors if you can. Better safe than SARS. That's, that's, I can't, TM, I can't TM. argue with that. TM, yeah, I can't argue with that's that. That's a great saying. Yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for your question, Bart. Do we want to Perfect. read the last one? Sean, do you want to do this one? Uh, Sure. You know, I actually have another one on here. Oh, well, are you pulling it up? Pace, Pace wants to read Kelly's. this other I'll read Kelly's. Oh, fuck yeah. Hit that one. This one nice. was sent in by a friend of the show, Kelly McArdle. Uh, that's... I tend still don't know how to pronounce her Twitter <laughs> thing. What is it? Iokaira. Iokaira. And I'm Twitter. sticking to that pronunciation. I'm not going to change it. So don't tell me otherwise. It's pronounced apoptosis on oh, Twitter. Um, <laughs> in the movie, Kelly asks, in the movie, they blow up an initial infection site and later burn a barn full of infected corpses. Can you actually kill a virus and prevent the spread from certain sites using fire? Yes. That's a great question. Kelly, thank you for the question. Pace, I think you have the answer. Well, I mean, at, at, short answer is yes, because heat in general will will denature the viral DNA, right? And in order for a virus to reproduce, it has to be able to replicate its DNA, which it's not going to be able to do if the DNA is... When I say denatured, I mean effectively taken apart, Right. So yeah, like basically if you boil virus, the protein and the membrane layers will just fall apart. Um, the DNA will, or the genetic material might still be intact after just like boiling, 
but without the rest of the virus, it doesn't do anything. And then if you put it in fire, it's all going to combust. Like it'll all be turned into CO2 and water. Dunzo. So, yep. Yeah. Gone, gone. Yeah. So that'll definitely work. Yeah. And thank you for your question. That's a Thanks, fucking Kelly. good one, actually. Is that it? Um, no, I got one more question from Sid. Oh, on, fuck. On snail mail. Sid so, Vicious. Let's hit it. Friend of the show, Sid Gupta, wrote us on a letter. And his second question says, what would you name a super infectious slash killer virus? And then he also says, you guys are awesome. Signed, your number one fan. Oh, oh nice. wow. Mm. So if you, named, if you could name a super deadly infectious virus, what would you name it? Hmm. What kind of virus is it? A a deadly one. Uh, All right. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Mine's going to be from birds, and I'm going to call it Dave, and it's going to (laughs) be deadly avian virus E. (laughs) Okay. That's pretty good. Dave. Deadly avian virus E. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Top that, motherfuckers. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, okay. Okay, Pace? Uh, I don't know. Um, Pace, come on. See. You perform really well on the spot. Do it. I perform so well on the spot. Um, I'm going to call... Let's see. I'm going to call mine um, SARS-VG. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because it's kind of like SARS. But it's... It's very good. It's just like SARS very good. <laughs> okay. Okay, right. so you named your virus like a crazy person. <laughs> I did. You don't sound like a psychopath at all, Face. This is I great. Know. Sean, what I about know. yours? Um, mine is going to be DNNDV. Okay. And it stands for definitely not not deadly virus. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's a double negative. I don't definitely know how I feel about not, that. Definitely not not Dave virus. <laughs> 12. That's how you that's how you that's how you differentiate between your virus and my virus. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely not not Dave, but the way that would be that it is Dave though. Oh, wait. Okay. Okay. Definitely wait. not not deadly is don't don't get a mistake and get it. It's very deadly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like this. This is good. DNNDV. So So thanks, Sid. Thanks for the question. I also wanted to add that I would make a informative video about my virus and I would call it Meet Dave. That's... And it would also star Eddie Murphy. That's I'm gonna good. name my virus Pluto Nash. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible film what a horrific movie it's a pretty bad it's pretty bad virus so bad. too it's right. definitely not not deadly so no, i'm sorry i'm sorry i started us on this path we we have to we, we have to stop let's, let's end the let's, show right, we've been recording for a lifetime that's true let's talk about the next movie that we're gonna we're we're gonna do which is uh oh. the adventures of pluto nash Oh no, 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 no we no, can't. No, no, no. We can't. Kenan, you can't you can't we can't do Pluto Nash. That is a horrific film that is oh, undeserving of our attention or discussion. Um that is a, a fair idea. assessment. I, I, I know. That's why I said it. Uh I do have a better idea though. Okay. I think that we should cover The Quiet Place. Oh, okay. Interesting. And, why? Well, we could use it to discuss audiology. Uh oh, which, shit. Which which is a, a, a ripe and uh, just really fertile topic 
weird wording, but I like where your energy's at. Um, yes. Sean's talked a lot about audiology. Will we have Sean talk about audiology? Ob- audiology. The- I think we should have his wife do it instead because she's an actual audiologist. Can we kick Sean off the podcast and get yes. Sarah to take his place yes. and then do the interview? Guys, if you kicked me off the podcast, you would be recording for five hours and have about ten minutes of content. That sounds actually easier to edit than what I have to <laughs> true you got me there please don't fire me (laughs) well let's get sarah in here for an interview does that sound good yeah we can do that for sure hell yeah all right Um, hey guys before we end the show i found a quote from the movie fuck (laughs) god damn it hey kenan you gotta do the jingle (laughs) (laughs) quotes That was that was it. Hi, uh. uh, welcome to Sean's quote corner. I just am going to do one um, because Rotten Tomatoes didn't have any quotes, uh, but IMDb has one. So, General Donald McClintock says, "With all due respect, Colonel Daniels, if you do not follow us to Travis Air Force Base, I will blow you out of the sky." And then Sam Daniels responds, "General, with all due respect, fuck you, sir." <laughs> <laughs> Fucking best Hell line yeah. of the movie. Oh god. Hell yeah. Okay, thank you. Alright, I'll just do thank one you, quote. Okay, just one quote, Kenneth. We'll we'll end the quote corner. I appreciate that. Thank it's you everybody for listening. We really appreciate your constant listenership throughout the two oh, and a half this was a, this ungodly was a years that we've been doing this podcast. Uh and thank you for sending in your questions. If you want to get a question on the show, you can go to at Real Science Cast on Twitter where we frequently do announcements and pace Puts up some really good tweets that sound either <laughs> very science-related or akin to the ramblings of a madman. Um, I intermittently post on Instagram, at Real Science Cast. Sean runs our Facebook page, which if you go up to the little bar, at the very top there's a search bar, you type in Real Science Cast and you can find it. Send us an email if you can't find that at realsciencecast at gmail.com. And if you have a question for the dog folks or the... Uh, that you know you want to get back at you want to just like really stick it to big dog the t- the t-shirt company big dogs big dog please email us at real science cats at gmail.com uh, and we can field all of your cat related questions thank you to otis mcdonald for the use of his song third eye blimp as the intro and outro of our podcast and uh thank you to our patrons who uh gen- graciously supported us during these trying two years of wrangling Kenan and pace Wow. Okay. We don't have to frame it that way. I'm just kidding. Thank you for supporting us and Kenan and Pace's wonderful, delightful banter. We really do appreciate it. And now that I am confined to my home for two weeks, uh, I will edit the next round of bonus content. We can get that up. Sean, put that up next week. My battery's dying. So let's end the show. So let's end the episode. All right. (laughs) My name is Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And, and you don't you don't need, need good science, science to make a to, good movie to make a good movie just, just take Dustin Hoffman's word for it <laughs> they should have quarantined Justin just, fuck <laughs> <laughs>